0: If you're joining us online, thanks for for participating in our worship this morning. We're really glad to have you a part of our online service. Um, I'm really excited to start a brand new uh, series of messages starting today called Relationship Goals. And the reason we're doing this series is because it's the month of February. And so it's a time when you probably start to talk about relationships. And guys, this is your like two week reminder, not two weeks, a little less than two weeks, that Valentine's Day is next week. Um, so you still have plenty of time right now to order off something from Amazon. Um, it'll get here, especially if you got Prime. It'll be here by, by in a couple of days. You still have time to go get a card. and you and here's the thing, here's the incredible thing that I have found that if you go right now, even to the dollar store, their selection of cards for Valentine's Day right now is pretty good. Now, if you wait till like the thirteenth, you're gonna have a whole lot less to choose from. so so guys, just you've been warned, all right? Go, go get a card. To set the tone for this series, I, I want to start just uh, by reading a passage out of Genesis 2. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to, to just a few uh, pages into the Bible. We're going to be in chapter 2. Uh, God has created man, but at this point man is still alone. Uh, and, and some would say, well, that was a good thing, but God said it's not good. For man to be alone. And so this is what God says. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out of one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. And he brought her to the man. And the man exclaimed, and I think this is funny. He says, at last... That's funny to me for some reason. At last, you know, God the giraffe was cool, the porcupine, that's confusing. Some would argue the woman was going to be confusing too. But the, the woman, at last, Adam says, this one is bone of, from my bone and flesh from my flesh. And she will be called woman because she's taken out of man. This explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. The two will become one flesh. Today we're starting this series called Relationship Goals, and if you're on social media, you have probably seen the hashtag, hashtag Relationship Goals, right? It's been used about 11 million times, and you you see it often when somebody posts a picture with their spouse or their significant other, and it's hashtag Relationship Goals or hashtag Couple Goals, and and what what they're putting out there, and when people like those pictures, what they're saying is, in essence, I want that. I want some version of that. Whatever it is that we see, I, I want that. There's, there's so many classic images, too, of relationship goal pictures. In fact, this is one that I found. Uh, there's a photographer I found on Instagram. You just search hashtag relationship goals. There's thousands of them. And so I found this one photographer, and, sh- and this photographer, she literally, this is all she does is she just takes couples' pictures like this. And, and isn't this a really cool picture? I mean, look at that. That's a cool picture. And, and people see that, and they go, I want that. that that's what I want, hashtag relationship goals. Now, I can tell you, in the 20 years that I've been married, I have never, ever wanted that. I have never looked at Christy and said, hey, we're driving down the road. Let's stop and get out of our warm car and go sit on some, snow, uh, on some cold, snowy concrete and let one of the kids take their iPhone and kind of maneuver us around until they get us in just the right position to take a picture. I've never wanted that. But so many people see glimpses on social media and they say, hey, I want that. But I want to tell you what, what you what you always see on social media is not always real. Sometimes it's a very carefully edited, crafted moment in time that's not exactly what we want. But we say, But I want that, right? And if we ask people when we hear somebody say that, if we ask them to explain what they want, they, they start thinking about the warm fuzzies, right? They, they you know, I don't know, you know like, like love and walks on the beach and romantic photo shoots in the bedroom and, and you know, with your new pottery barn comforter and that, that kind of stuff. Slow dances by the, the fireplace. I want that I can tell you that's not what Christy and I have in our marriage what we have in our marriage is a journey to destination in other words we haven't arrived it's and we never will we what we have is challenges and hardships and struggles to overcome I I will say with complete integrity before God and all of his people that Christy can be really stubborn I can say that because she's not here today and she, won't, and she won't listen to the podcast either. She's like, oh, there's other preachers. But hey, but don't let that pretty little face fool you for a moment. She will stand her ground. I can be very difficult to live with. Our marriage is filled with massive miscommunications, painful misunderstandings, hurt feelings, and what I would call intense conversations. That's preacher language for fights. The last time we had a fight, Christy came crawling to me on her hands and knees. And she said, get out from under that bed and fight like a man, you coward. One time she might have thrown a shoe and I might have caught it and then put it on, which made her even angrier. I've slammed doors, hung up phones once, maybe twice, maybe three times. We were driving down the road and she tried to get out of a moving vehicle. And I said, no, 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 you're not getting off that easy. You're not going to die while we're in the middle of this fight. We're going to finish this fight first. Let me tell you what we fight about. We fight about the house and how we keep the house what we put in the house, her piles, my messiness in the house. We, we fight about how to load the dishwasher in the house. Anybody ever fight about how to load the dishwasher? Is that not the stupidest thing to fight about? But yet, uh, hands went up, so I'm glad to know that we're not alone. We fight about how she drives. She's a terrible driver. We fight about the temperature in the house. We fight about what we're going to watch on TV. We fight about how to discipline our kids, we fight about my inability to say no to certain people. We fight about, this, about sports and my involvement with sports. We fight about pets. We fight about the way she texts. She's a terrible texter. If you ever get a text message from my wife, and you're not used to getting a text message from her, you're going to respond with, huh? Because it's not going to make any sense. Luckily, we've been married long enough. I have learned to decipher her text and what she really means. But That's the things that we fight about. So if you ever look at us and you say, I want that, I hope you understand exactly what it is you're saying you want. Relationship goals, right? Relationship goals. What, what I like is, I like that, that people want something different, that people are craving something better because what normal is today isn't exactly something that I really want. When you look at normal relationships today, what we call normal relationships, you see a lot of theory, you see a lot of hurt feelings, you see a lot of anger, you see a lot of bitterness, you see a lot of mistrust, you see a lot of fights about money and a lack of unity about how to raise kids, you see two people who who do their own thing without any kind of common vision. So I hope that you do want something different and something better. And that's why today we're starting this message called Relationship Goals. And we're going to look at four goals through the course of this series that I think we all should have. Uh, and if we have those, they will make our relationships better. They will, uh, they will cause our relationships to be God-honoring. And so week number one today, we're going we're gonna to talk about our first goal, and that's to be Christ-centered. That our relationship with each other would be Christ-centered. Christ-centered, being Christ-centered is a lot different than just calling yourself a Christian, okay? You can have two people in a marriage that call themselves Christians, and and just because you call yourselves Christians does not mean that the way that you live your life is Christ-centered, okay? Let me say that again, just so you don't miss that. Just because you call yourself a Christian does not mean that the way that you live your life is in a Christ-centered way. When we're Christ-centered, though, we tend to be mission-driven, the problem is so many of us are driven by the wrong, thing, wrong things, and so it drives us into, into separate ways. And what we want to do through this series is to, to come to a conclusion where we can be led by the power of God into caring about what He cares about. And so our second goal, what we're going to talk about next week, is to be mission-driven in our relationships, in our marriages. The third week, we're going to talk about being devil kicking. And we talked a little bit about this last week because we need to understand that we're in a spiritual battle, and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the dark world. We should understand this that our spouse, our our significant other, is never the enemy. And there are so many relationships where people treat their spouse, their their significant other, like they're the enemy, but they're not the enemy, they're your partner. And, And here's the thing we are in a battle. And there, there, there is a, there's an enemy out there that wants marriages to fail. And you know why he wants marriages to fail? Because God ordained marriages and he hates everything that God has created, everything that God has ordained. And so we're going to learn to stand together and fight against the schemes of the evil one. We're going to be Christ-centered, we're going to be mission-driven, we're going to be devil-kicking, and we're going to be covenant-keeping because we don't enter into a contract, we enter into a holy covenant. And we're going to learn what that means and how we honor God in that. So as we jump into our message today, what does it mean to be Christ-centered in our marriages? That's the question we should be asking. What does it mean to be Christ-centered in our lives? And I think that's a very fair question because we need to start with the understanding that no matter where we are, who we are, what our relationship status is, our lives are centered around something. All right. If you are married, your marriage is centered around something or some things. If you are single, your, your life is centered around something or some things. If, you, if you're not married what's your life centered around? because it's centered around something. Those of you that marry are are married, you may be married to somebody else but your marriage is really centered around you self, you know, what i want. You know, you're not meeting my needs, i'm upset with you, you're not going to do what i want to do. It's centered around self. Many marriages are centered around children. We're going to do what they want, and we're going we're gonna to go wherever they want. And, we're, and, and they don't invest in their marriage because they're investing all their, all their time and all their energy in their kids. It's all about the kids. It's all about them. And, and we take them to all these activities, and then one day they leave, and they go off to college, or, and, and you become an empty nester, and you wake up, and you're sleeping next to someone, and you go, who the heck am I married to? Who's this person? Because for the last 18, 19 years, you've just been roommates because you've spent all of your time investing in your children and not in your relationship with your spouse. For some, it's centered around money or material things or success or your career or your image. You know, we want to show everybody uh, from the outside that we look like we're good on the inside. On the inside, though, we're really messed up, aren't we? But we're going to try to show you the best, the best that we have. This amazing, happy marriage with this materially blessed life. It's centered around something. The problem is, in, in my opinion with this whole idea of relationship goals is, you know, is that, you know, this is what I want, I see this, that's what I want, Is it, it, in, that idea ends up thriving in what I call uh, the, the myth of the one. In, in our culture, that's, we kind of have this myth of the one, and, and it's this idea that, that so many people believe, that, and, and wrongfully believe, I believe, this cultural truth that, that I really need somebody else to be fulfilled in my life. If I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be, if I'm going to be what God wants me to be, if I'm gonna just be happy and satisfied in life, I need somebody else to to fulfill me. And so you you go, you go your entire life and you search for that one person and then you think you found that one, right? You know, you hear you hear young people all the time say, I, I think I found the one. They come home from school, Mom, Dad, I found the one, right? A girl comes home from school and she says, Mom, I, I found the one. He's he's really cute and he opens the car door for me and he opens he, he pays for dinner and and he's got a job, you know, like, you know, that's a big deal. That, that is a big deal. You know, the, the last three boyfriends, they all wanted to be professional video game players. But this one, he's got a real nine to five job. And so I, I think I found the one, right? Here's what I would love. I would love for people to recognize that you do not need another person to complete you. Single is a whole number, right? Single is a whole number. And Jesus, Jesus had a pretty good run without ever needing a wife. He pretty much pleased God in a massive way. We don't need another person to complete us. Christ completes us and and through him we can do what he calls us to do. And here's the thing about this myth of the one. When you think you have to have the one, you're putting an expectation on on your spouse, on your future spouse, on your partner that they will never ever be able to fill. You are putting them in a position that they cannot win in. When you say, they're, they're the one that completes me. What you're saying is that Christ doesn't complete me. This other person doesn't. I'm just going to tell you that you, you will be sorely disappointed over and over and over again in your relationship because they were never meant to complete you. they were supposed to be a companion for you and a help to you, but they were never meant to complete you. Christ completes us. So what I would love, I would love if one day it changed that idea of I met the one would change and you know so this girl meets this amazing guy or or a guy meets this amazing girl and instead of saying hey I think I met the one they would say I I think I met the two I met the two because in a Christ-centered marriage Jesus is your one and your spouse is your two when our marriages are truly centered around Christ not just in word but in the way that we live excuse me we're all about Jesus and and all the rest just falls under him in fact, this is what Jesus said whenever a guy asked him, "What, hey, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, Jesus, if there's one thing that I need to know, what is it? And Jesus said, here, here's the most important thing. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, we're going to put God first in everything, and everything else after that will just kind of fall into place. But God's going to be the center of everything. This is going to be the most important force in our life. So why does that matter? Why am I talking about being Christ-centered? Well, let me just say again that, that to all of us, that something is the center of your life. Everybody, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, everybody in this world has something that is at the center of our life. And so I'm going to ask you, what is it? Now you don't have to you know, raise your hand and answer that question, but what is it that's at the center of your life? And, and here's why we need to identify what it is that's at the center of our life, because whatever's at the center of your life influences your values and your beliefs. Your your values and your beliefs are driven by what is at the center of your life, which then influences your actions and your decisions, which ultimately influences your influence and your impact. Don't miss that. Your values and your beliefs are driven by what's at the center of your life. So in other words, the difference that you make in this world, the fulfillment that you find in this world, the fulfillment that you get from honoring God, is all a result of what your life is centered around. So what is your life or your marriage, your relationship centered around? It could be centered around yourself. It could be about self. And I promise you, if it's centered around yourself, your influence and your impact will be extremely limited. It could be centered around your kids. And if it's all about your kids, your marriage is going to suffer and you will never please God ultimately in the expression with the expression of your family the way that you could otherwise. It could be about your lifestyle or or. I mean it just it could be or for those of you that want something better even deeper relationship goals your life could be centered around Christ and when you are Christ-centered then Jesus the son of God ultimately influences your your beliefs and your values which influences your actions and your decisions which ultimately leads to a life of impact and fulfillment if it's not centered around Christ then you've got thrown gold driving your relationship. Now let me just speak to those of you who are not married in the room for just a moment. If you have relationship goes, you know, you, you, I want that in the future, let me just say this to you. If you want a Christ-centered relationship in the future, live a Christ-centered life today. If you want a Christ-centered relationship in the future, live a Christ-centered life today. If you want to honor God with putting Him first in your marriage, honor God by putting Him first today. What are you waiting for? I see it all the time, unfortunately, uh, I'll see someone who says, yeah, one day once I find that person... You know, once I find the one, then, then you know, I find my soulmate, then, then we're going to serve God in the church together. And we're going to do all these things for the, for the church. We're going to go on mission trips and we're going to help out in the youth and we're going to do all of these things. But right now it's my time. You know, I want to do what I want to do. I, I, I'm going to party right now. I'm going to do my own thing. That's what we hear. I'm going to do my own thing right now. Let me just say this. Anytime you do your own thing apart from God, it's always called sin. Anytime you do your own thing apart from God, it's always sin. And you don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. If you want, if you want that in the future, right? You want a life of righteousness in the future, embrace that today. I'm not waiting for someone to finish me to complete my to complete me so that i can start serving christ then i am serving him now i am following him now my life is going to be christ-centered around him now this is what i want to tell our young people all the time especially our, our middle school and our high school kids that you don't have to ser- wait to, to you're old to serve in the church you don't have as Larry was talking about being an elder right you don't have to wait till you're in the elderly age to serve in the church you can start serving in the church now And if you want that in your relationship with your spouse, then start doing it now before you have that relationship. Because the habits and the traits that you have as a single person, you will carry into your relationships. So how do we do it? If we want to be Christ-centered in all all that we do, how do we become Christ-centered in our marriages? Had I preached this probably about 10 years ago, I would have given you a whole list of really good ideas, of good things. Um, good suggestions, but there would have just been one problem. If I'd given you a bunch uh, of suggestions, you wouldn't have done any of them. Um, I I could have told you, you know, Hey, just read your Bible together, which is important. You need to go to church together. That's important. You need to serve in the church together. You need to learn to forgive one another. You need to, to submit to one another in love. You need to, 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 learn all of those kind of things, forgive each other, rejoice with each other. You need to show love and respect and blah, 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 blah. And all of those things would have been good, right? And I'd give you a whole list and you wouldn't have done any of those. So I think I've learned a little bit better strategy and that's to ask for the one thing that has the highest impact, the highest value that tends to lead, lead you to these other things and then you might just do those other things. And so what I'm going to do in, the, in just the few minutes that we have left is I'm going to give you, in my opinion, the highest return action that can help you to be Christ-centered in your relationships. And if you do one thing this is the one thing I, I think you should do that I believe will help you to become Christ-centered in your marriages. And if you could do this, I, I would suggest that you just very simply commit to pray together. To pray together daily. Short prayer every single day. That, that's it. That's the one action that I believe can lead to all the other actions that will really, truly give you a Christ-centered relationship. Now, some of you in this moment, you're thinking, uh, as, as we start to think about talking about prayer, you're thinking... Oh crap! I don't want to pray with my spouse. I I should have skipped church today, right? Like that's what you're thinking, and and that's okay. I get it, but but you're thinking it's it's too personal, right? Prayer prayers, you know, uh, it's private, it's personal, it's very intimate. I don't I don't want to do that with my spouse. But let me just say this: what I want to promise you is, if you're both followers of Christ, you can pray together. It's not too private. May I remind you? And I'm and it's kind of embarrassing to even say this, and I'm not trying to be crass, but but it's incredibly true that if you have been married at any length of time, you probably go to the bathroom in front of each other, right? I mean, it's not too private. You, you can pray together. Um, if you've, you've had babies together, that tends to get a little bit intimate. You, you've, you've swapped spit, whatever. That, that's intimate. I promise you, you can pray together. I get it. It's intimate. It's personal. But you can do this. I think this is one of the most underutilized tools that, that we have to create spiritual strength. And listen, if I, I think if I were the enemy, I would try to keep every Christian couple I could from ever praying together. Because if I can keep them from praying together, I can keep them from bonding spiritually. I can keep them from becoming mission-driven. And, and since they're not going to be mission-driven, they're, they're not going to be going to God together in prayer, they probably won't be devil-kicking either. And in fact, they're probably going to be getting their tails kicked by the devil. And then ultimately, because of that, they won't be, they won't be covenant-keeping. And you know what happens when marriages aren't covenant-keeping It leads to divorce. Every single time, every single time it leads to divorce. You see, when you pray together, you bond, and it's really hard to do bad things and hate each other when you're when you know you're going to have to pray with each other. Think about this: you're praying later in the day. You really can't fight, can you? You gotta you gotta resolve that issue. You gotta work that it work that out before. Hey, (laughs) hey, honey, I know we were yelling at each other 30 seconds ago, but now let's get together and let's pray, right? (laughs) you got to work that out. If you've got some ongoing battle with some sin issue, lust, it's really hard to go look at pornography and then come back and pray with the person who's being incredibly faithful to you. Somehow it empowers you, it emboldens you, maybe to work through some of those issues that you have so that you can really have true intimacy together. And when you do pray, let me me tell you what, it generally leads to other things that help strengthen your marriage around Christ. You may end up talking about spiritual things that, that, that you pray, because you pray together you may end up moving your kids towards spiritual things because you pray together uh, chances are pretty good that you're going to go to church together and and listen there's a big difference between going to church and actually being the church and so you're going to start being the church together you're not just going to this is not just going to be a place that you come to once a week for an hour a week that you're actually going to be the church you might start serving together you're going to start being mission-minded together and whenever you're under attack, you're going to realize, hey, we're under spiritual attack. And and instead of fighting each other, you're going to fight back together. It's amazing what tends to happen when you truly pray together. And look, if you're hesitant, I'll, I'll just tell you right now. I didn't pray with Christy for a long time. A, a, at least every day regularly, we didn't. We would start and we would do good for a, for a week or two and then we'd stop. And, you know, life just gets busy. She's a morning person, I'm a night person. And, and schedules and activities, they just... it it happens and and before you know it you've gone a couple of days and you haven't prayed together and then you just you get out of the habit right but listen to me on this if you're willing to give this a go and you're thinking where do we start how do we do it let me just give you real simply three three quick thoughts about how to pray with your spouse and the first thing is this is and this is super easy keep it short all right keep it short this is not an hour-long intercessory prayer thing. like You think, hey, I've got to, I've got to, we've got to hold hands and we've got to hum and we've got to do chants and all that. It's, no. We're not, just, just pray for, for 60 seconds. You know, right? 60 seconds. Hey, and if that's going to push you, pray for 30 seconds. And you, and you know what? You do that enough, it might grow to, to two minutes to five minutes. You, you might end up at some point praying together for an hour. But I can guarantee you this. You will never pray together for an hour if you don't start with 30 seconds. You won't. So just take the pressure off, okay? This isn't fancy. Just, you know, join hands for 30 seconds a, a, a day, a minute, whatever you want, and just say, you know, something like that. Jesus, help us center our relationship around you. Amen. Keep it short. Secondly, keep it consistent. In other words, we're, we're going to do it at a certain time of the day. This is our prayer time. And then if you miss a day, don't miss two. Because you will miss a day. So don't miss two. Just make that commitment that we're not going to miss two days. So keep it short, you know, we're uniting, we're, and we're going to keep it consistent. I would suggest that you, you, you pray before something. This is kind of your cue that, oh, this, this is the thing that leads to this habit, This that leads us to other good things. This is our cue, you know, so you might pray before you enjoy a meal together, or, you know, God, we thank you for this meal, and help us to keep our relationship centered around you. And, you know, you just pray before you start. There's your cue. Maybe you pray before an event, you know, a a something, a a conversation with a kid, a difficult presentation at work, a new job interview. When you hear bad news, before you face the bad news, you know, we pray together because that's what we do. So keep it short, keep it consistent, and keep it simple. Um, You might say, hey, I really don't know what to pray. And, And I get, for a lot of people, praying out loud is is a very intimidating thing and and it can be even more intimidating to pray with the person that you love the most out loud you know if I say the wrong words are they going to think I'm stupid they know you don't know those words anyway just keep it simple all right so so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to post this this in in a couple different places on social media but I'm going to give you a very simple prayer that you can just start with. And maybe over time uh, you'll add your own words to it. But, but here's, here's what I would challenge you to do. Is just to take this prayer that we're going to post on the screen. And, and maybe you want to go ahead and pray it out loud with me today. But, but here's the prayer. Just keep it simple. Dear God, give us wisdom and clear direction in all that we do today. Help us to, to love each other and shine your light into the world. Keep us close to you and away from temptation, and always in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. There you go, every single day. And before long, again, you might be adding your own words, and before long you're going to wake up and you're going to realize, oh my gosh, we're Christ-centered, which has empowered us to be more mission-driven, which has enabled us to be devil-kicking, and all the way through and through, and so we're going to be covenant-keeping because we pray together. And those of you that are not married, you might say, well, what do I do? Well, if you want a Christ centered marriage in the future, you might as well have a Christ centered life today. And so you pray. You pray wherever you are. And, and, and you simply pray that you would be Christ centered in your life, that you would be on mission, uh, that you would be devil kicking, that you would be covenant keeping. Because again, the traits and the characteristics that you have in your single life will follow you into a relationship. And again, this doesn't just work in marriage, it works in all relationships. And that's the goal. That's the goal. My my goal for you is that your relationship with your spouse and that your relationship with the Lord would be Christ-centered. That you don't just call yourself a Christian, but you live a Christ-centered life. That you would be Christ-centered, that you would be mission-driven, that you would be devil-kicking and covenant-keeping. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about all this to help improve our relationships, not just with our spouses, but with just people in our lives, but also, more importantly, With the Lord, would you pray with me?